Don't forget to watch NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, Monday to Friday at 3 Eastern, noon Pacific. Get caught up with the latest from around the NBA with a cavalcade of analysts on NBA Today on ESPN and the ESPN app. The show is also available as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast midday on Monday as we are creeping toward the end of of the regular season, like James Harden creeping into a suddenly bouncy step-back jumper for the Philadelphia 76ers. And we're going to have a little fun going through the 7 or 10 or however many different entities we ranked. People, teams, GMs, whoever facing the most pressure over these last 20 games plus the playoffs. And there's nobody better to do this kind of list with than the one and only, my old boss, Mr. Bill Simmons. How are you, sir? Hi, I'm feeling great. The Celtics, the playoff odds are moving for the Celtics. It's a, these are happy times. Jason Tatum, toe-to-toe with Ja, KD, back-to-back, got the better of both. Feeling good, Zach. Feeling like I'm going to be back in Boston a bunch of times this spring for playoff games. Flying high. Time Lord has gained your trust. It's, it's so heartening to me how much you love the time. Grant Williams can't miss a three. It's all turning up Celtics. Oh, don't forget about the rejuvenated Al Horford. Coming Dude, out I, of the cocoon nursing home, and he's ready to roll. He was a year in OKC. He's rejuvenated. So that rejuvenated him, right? And then he came out at the beginning of the season, and for like the first two weeks of the season, it was only two weeks. But I remember people were like, you know, Al Horford has actually been Boston's best player so far. It's interesting. Al Horford, if you watch the games, have been Boston's best. And then he got like old and tired again. Yep. Then the all-star break happens, and it's like he's hitting threes. He's flying out of nowhere for rebounds. They should just shut him down now. And give him three weeks off for the until the playoffs. Ime played him forty minutes against the Grizzlies, and I almost had a heart attack. I, I just said twenty-seven to thirty. Let's get him into four playoff rounds. But this Celtics team, how many teams really know who they are at this point? You know, it's it's an interesting big picture topic because I, you know, I went to the Golden State Lakers game on Saturday, and it's like I don't think the Warriors have any idea who they are right now without Draymond and and Clay coming back in, all these guards they have. But you're going down the line, and teams that we weren't expecting to know who they were kind of know who they are. Like Dallas is another one. I feel like Dallas, that Porzingis trade, they're kind of settling into this slash and kick, and they have multiple ball handlers now, and they kind of make sense. Whereas Denver, like the Jamal Murray thing hangs over everything when they can get him back. So I, I don't think there's that many teams who know who they are right now. How about Nikola Jokic, everyone's favorite MVP afterthought, uh, going for 30 points in the fourth quarter in overtime last night against the Pelicans? Just can we say, I said last week, can we just say his name? Can we just we can do the whole MVP thing on TV and make it Embiid and Giannis and Moran and oh my God, what about DeRozan? DeRozan's got to be in the top three. Just say, just end the discussion by saying Nikola Jokic exists. That's all I ask for. Just say his name. It's turning into a hoops IQ test thing for me. Embiid, fine. If we want to say Embiid or Jokic, that they're the co-favorites. Unbelievable. I'm I'm fine with calling them co-favorites. I personally think Jokic is the MVP. I think what he's doing with this Denver team is absolutely outrageous. They're 38 and 26. I don't get it. He had a 46, 11, and 12 last night. And it was like, I, I don't even bat an eyelash anymore when I see the Jokic box scores. He's better defensively. He's completely unstoppable. And I don't understand it. It feels like it's you and me and three other people who are like, no, no, he's actually been the best player this year. Nobody wants to admit it. I don't know if it's because he already won. People get bored. Um, 
Denver, I know that's that, that's about as anonymous as you're going to get. They won't even show their games locally. But when you think like the burden that he's had this year, he's clearly the MVP. Clearly. At least so far. I don't know if I'd go clearly, but I'm also leaning toward him. And it is also infuriating to me that it's like, I think people, there's this idea that like, well, Philly, Philly's the number two seed. Like they're just way ahead of Denver. Philly's 39 and 24. The Nuggets are 38 and 26. Just And the Nuggets have a better point differential. There's no difference between the Sixers and the Nuggets if you just pretend that seedings aren't a thing in each conference and they play in different conferences. Like Denver, I had Adam Morris from DNVR Sports on the pod last week, and he described the Nuggets as being in purgatory. And I said they're kind of in a state of suspended animation. And purgatory, like 500 is purgatory. Like they're thirty-eight and twenty-six. They're on pace for almost fifty wins or whatever it is. Like they're having a really good season. Tyrese Maxey is better than any teammate Jokic has had this year. I would say Seth Curry is as good, at least when he was on Philly, as anyone Denver had, except maybe Aaron Gordon. Um, just you go on down the line. Philly's team is better. This point now he's had hard in the last two weeks, and Jokic has. You know, he's just so important to what they do. It's hard to – I just want – he should just take a game off. Like for his MVP thing, he should say, I'm going to take today off. You you watch the rest of the team. Watch what happens when I'm not out there, and we'll, and we'll see if I'm the MVP or not. But either – both choices are, are fine with me, but I just personally think it's Jokic. I don't want to do too much Celtics because you and Rosillo just did a lot of Celtics. But you said something that struck a chord with me. Because uh, I obviously prepared from Celt- some Celtics notes for you to come on the podcast. You said they know who they are. And it's amazing watching them the last two weeks, three weeks. They've gone from a team where all the fans are like, well, why does Aaron Neesmith play this minute and then doesn't play? And then Romeo Langford's in and out and the rotation's a mess. And now they have like the most set rotation in the NBA. We're staggering Tatum and Brown. Derek White comes in as like the stagger guy. Grant Williams is the four. Then he goes out. We put Horford as the backup five, and Grant Williams is the is the is the backup four with him. Uh, then we have we can keep one center on the floor at all times because Grant Williams is shooting well enough to do. It. We don't have to put Tatum and Brown at the four. I think they'll have to put that smaller look out there eventually. We saw glimpses of why against the Nets um, yesterday. Smart is starting, and then Derek White comes in with Peyton Pritchard, and it's just like it's, everyone knows who they are, what their role is. Their offense has found this this nice harmony of um, Tatum and Brown attacking often out of the corner, right? They come, they get a screen from the corner, so they have an advantage when they catch the ball. It's not static. And they've got harmony between that, between Horford and Time Lord facilitating, between like Tatum, Derek White, Tatum, Marcus Smart pick and rolls to hunt the smallest defender on the other team, or you, you can do it with Jalen Brown too, to pushing the pace. They have like... All of these different styles, and they've found the perfect mix and harmony of all of them so that they're not leaning too far in any direction. It's really working well. They they are a team. I think you nailed it. They they now, like snap of a finger, went from a team in chaos to a team that feels like really, really stable. It's the most stunning Celtic season, regular season I can remember because this team was unwatchable two and a half months ago, like unwatchable. I really, it was like a chore to get through a quarter with them. I, I I don't really fully understand it, but I will say part of this has to do with, if you look at everybody on this, on the, in the nine, except for white who just showed up, but white, I would think we could all agree is that guy who can walk in any pickup game and immediately cook with his teammates. 
Everybody else has been playing together for a while. Even Horford was on this team for a while. Everybody they've had has been with each other three to five years. And you think like the way they use Time Lord on the alley-oops and stuff. Those guys have been throwing them alley-oops for a few years now. Smart, Brown, Tatum, those guys have been together their whole careers. Um, every minute they have now is a decent or better guy, which was not the case really the last four years. Pritchard is the swing guy for like he can on the wrong night look terrible. But if that's your worst problem, that's not a bad problem. At least he can make some open threes. Ultimately, there there'll be a seven or eight man team in the playoffs. Tice was smart by Stevens because at I least they know how to play with him. I don't need Tice. I don't need the Tice minutes. I don't get the Tice minutes. It's, it's I don't emergency. Want the it's minutes. emergency minutes. It's it's emergency. What's, if what's, you have, the, what's the emergency? It's Time Lord foul trouble or Al Horford is old. Okay. And at it's better than I don't know Luke Cornett. You know, at least at least they're comfortable with Tice. I'm with you. I don't I don't love Tice, but um, but the real thing is that Tatum. I don't know what happened. The game slowed down for him. Um, from a scoring standpoint, I think he's at a level now where he at least has entered the chat room with some of these other elite scorers, and then the uh, the decision making just went to another level. And it's like you watch these dudes for years, and you hope they get it, and you start to give up on it. And then all of a sudden he gets it and you can see it and he sees it and the other teams see it and they're doing all kinds of things to try to knock him out. And he's just problem solving all the time. I think they're going to be, I had a guy, I had a guy yesterday text me and, and say who I respect, who works in the league, who was like, I think they're going to win the title. And he wasn't like kidding. Like he was like this team, one through nine with the score. Now the problem for me is other than Tatum, who is your, you know, in the playoffs when things slow down, who's your second guy? Can it be Jalen Brown? That's, you know, if Tatum's having an off night, it's game six, you're down three, two. Tatum just doesn't have it. He can't make a shot. Who's the, who's the guy who steps up in that spot? Cause you look at all the other playoff teams, right? Phoenix has the Booker, Chris Paul combo where one of those two guys, and then they have the threes and the variants, all that stuff. You go on down the line, everybody, Philly's got Embiid and Harden. Miami's got a bunch of dudes. Um, Milwaukee has Giannis or Middleton, and sometimes Drew, too. They have three. With Boston, it's like I really only trust Tatum to get a basket in the last five minutes and maybe Jalen. So that would be the that would be the swing piece. Well, the Tatum thing on the decision-making is so interesting because I think we're about two years in to him seeing the floor at a pretty elite level because even in individual games you would see five possessions where, okay, he got off of it early. Like as soon as he turned the corner with the defense leaning the wrong way, like early in their rotation, bam, there goes the pass. He got off of it early. Then you'd see five possessions which was like, oh, he kind of held on to it too long and then it turned into a slog. So you could see that he saw the floor well, well enough to be an elite alpha guy. And, and it was a matter of does he just not see it all the time or is it just not his style of play to make that kind of pass seven out of ten times instead of mm. four out of ten times? Now it's seven out of ten times. Now you're just like, man, he got rid of it early. With Jalen, what's happened to me when I watched him in the last month is is less like that kind of advancement and more that I don't see as many – uh, he saw it too late and threw it to a defense who was ready for that pass. And and I don't see as many of, 
I got in the air with plan A, not realizing that plan A wasn't going to be a thing. And now I have to throw like a crazy desperate pass as my plan B on mm. the way down and they steal it. So I don't see like, I haven't seen as much advancement on the high end of his playmaking, but I've seen sort of an elimination or a reduction of the worst Jalen Brown turnover moments, which is like, that's a good step. Udoka, who I was wondering after two months, like, is this an absolute? Yeah, disaster? you called you called you called him Ime before. I was going to say you're now. I'm glad to see you're now on a first name basis with the Celtics coach. Well, well, you know, I was thinking like when Terry Porter took over the Suns and it was just a disaster, and then at the All Star break, all of a sudden he was fired, and I didn't think it was going to be that bad. But you know, when he kept calling out the players, and they just seemed so broken offensively, and it just everything wasn't working, and guys playing and guys playing minutes went. But he had a plan, and it works, and there's a toughness to this team. The big thing is the guys are always moving forward, and this is a soccer thing too. It's like girls' soccer, which I've obviously been on way too many soccer fields over the years, and there's certain coaches who are always like, go forward, go forward, because especially possession teams have a tendency to slow down, play backwards, and be too tentative. This Celtics team for a long time was not a go-forward team, right? And you talked about like how they've done these little tricks to try to keep Tatum going toward the basket. Everything is going toward the basket instead of being this people dribbling 25 feet from the basket. And everybody's moving to the basket now. Time Lord, his arms are always around the basket. I think they're going to be really hard to play. They need to stay healthy, obviously. They need Horford to stay juvenated. But um, but all of it's there. And then you look around the East. I mean, Philly, the maxi piece with Philly, I think, is the wild well, let, card let, for them, right? Let's get to our pressure rankings. I have a let's feeling, do it. I have a feeling Philly is going to come up. And Maxi, to your point, like I think Maxi, everyone is aware that he's made an incredible leap from year one to year two. Now that they have Harden, and even the fact that they had the patience to wait out the Harden situation, I think Maxi's development is like one of the three or four biggest stories in the entire league. He's the third best player on their team. He's just flat out better than Tobias Harris. He gave them faith that if we go all in for another guy, we have a third guy, like a legit big three almost. And he gave them the cushion, like our season's not falling apart without Ben Simmons because this dude is averaging 18 a game and suddenly shooting 40% from three. And he has been amazing with Harden and Embiid like amazing yeah. a perfect fit so I think his his development it's 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 a it's it's sort of lumped in with a bunch of like oh that's kind of a fun storyline I think it's one of the biggest stories of the season all right let's do our pressure rankings who's number one you ranked 10 I think because you can't resist I only got to seven and then I gave up because I didn't have that many people under pressure under the most pressure for the remaining of this remainder of the season Bill Simmons who is it before we do that can I just mention one thing on Maxi? yes I mean, have you looked at his stats? Many times. In, fe- in February, he was basically a 52-40-90 guy. This is whole February. This month, he's shooting 50. It's only three games, but he's shooting 67% from three. This is a guy, if Portland had said at any point, September, October, November, yeah, we're ready to trade Dame. Maxie's like in the trade. They're not even thinking twice. What happens this summer if Portland's like, we're ready to trade Dame? What about Tobias Harris and Maxie and you can have Dame? I kind of think Maxie's 
more untradeable than Dame is at this point, considering he's on a rookie contract with the arc that he's had, with how competitive he is, what we've seen with Harden and Embiid. I, I think he's semi untouchable, right? Oh, in this in this situation, there's no. I don't see any way they trade Maxi for Dame, having already acquired Harden. Even without uh, with with Harden, I think that discussion's over. Without but, him, it would but, be it would be interesting. I don't think they would do it even then, probably. But think about it in October, if I had said we're going to get to March and the concept of a Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey for Dame Lillard trade is off the table because Philly wouldn't do it. I know. It's crazy. That's how much he's jumped. All right, pressure rankings. Number one, go. Has to be Simmons. Has to be. Ooh. So I have Simmons slash Kyrie slash Nets all ranked together as one big just melodrama slash pressure situation. No, uh, it like, has like, to be Simmons. Can I make the case? Yeah, by has go. To be. Yeah, go. Out of anybody we have in the playoffs, we have no idea how he's going to respond in a playoff game, in a playoff series, in a fourth quarter, with the team he's on. It's the it's the most wild ceiling basement, I think, out of anybody. If you're going to build the building with the highest differential between the ceiling and the basement, Simmons is the biggest building by far. You watch the Nets game yesterday, and you think, hey, Tatum's torching the Nets. They have nobody to guard him except for... Durant, and you don't want to put those kind of miles on Durant, especially if it was a playoff series. Simmons is the perfect guy to at least challenge Tatum. I have no, no idea question. where his I don't know where his head's at. We know there was no chance he was playing that March 10th Sixers game. It's hilarious. Now he might go. Um, I was watching first take today. Stephen A was just openly calling him out. He was like, he was like, I don't know if you're injured, but it, you you don't want to be in that game. I agree. He doesn't want to be in that game. But at some point, he's going to have to play in a playoff game in Chicago, in Boston, in Philadelphia. One in of those Philly. three cities. We need, we, need, we need to see Hackaben in Philly. Let me ask you this. If you, can Doc Rivers keep a straight face? Doing hack? Will he start? Will he have to cover his face like LeBron at the All Star draft? Will he make a me? Will he be looking at Ben like staring him down? Will Simmons weep on the floor? Will one of the free throws hit the top of the backboard? Will the fans throw? I I just don't even know. I don't even. I can't even imagine the scene. I don't. Will Embiid laugh at him openly? Like will, will it? Will, I, 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 it's all on the table. Like I need to see it. I wouldn't trust him at all in a playoff game. I just wouldn't. And that's why I think he has to come back relatively soon so he can at least get some regular season games under his belt and take the heat. Like, think about yesterday, that Nets Celtics game. Celtics fans, you know, Kyrie has turned into their favorite villain, and it was so much fun to listen to them, you know, chanting Kyrie sucks, all that stuff. And Kyrie, you know, he thrives on it. He was enjoying it, and he was, and he wants to stick it to them. Is Simmons wired that way? I have no idea. It's a, could what if he airballs? He's a, let's say they're playing Boston in round two. Simmons airballs a free throw in the second quarter, and they start chanting "Simmons sucks, Simmons sucks," which will hurt my feelings if I'm actually at the game just hearing a Simmons sucks chant. Um, what happens to Ben at that point? Does he just melt down? I I don't, just don't know where his head's at, and I just I've said this over and over again. I thought it was so crazy to hear people, and we talked about it when you came on my pod. So crazy to hear people being like, I think Brooklyn won the trade. You get Ben Simmons. He's the perfect fit with – it's like perfect fit. We don't know if he can play basketball. The last time we saw him, he had a complete meltdown in a playoff series. And now I'm supposed to think he's okay? 
because he got traded. So I think he has the most pressure because there's a world in which he completely craters in this postseason, and we don't know what's left. Is there just Ben Simmons shrapnel? I don't know well, what to make of it. That's the question. That's why I lumped the Nets and Simmons and everybody together is my my in my pressure rankings because look, there's a tent there's a temptation to say, all right, this is a lost season, right? The Nets are playing for next season when presumably Kyrie is back, I guess. You can't you can't no, no, say it's a lost season with Durant in his prime. Like no se- you can't lose a season with Durant. Totally agree. Um, but we're more playing for next season. We'll, we'll have these three guys together. Kyrie will either opt in or we'll resign. Somehow the Kyrie situation will work itself out because that's what happens with Kyrie. It just works itself out all the time. You can count on that oh, happening. Yeah. Reliable um, guy. And, and and we'll have our whole team back and all that. But like we've seen in the NBA, these windows close so fast. And guys make decisions that you don't necessarily expect. Kyrie will have suitors in free agency if he opts out of that contract. 100% he will have suitors. Like, I don't know who they are. I have an inkling. Uh, I would, given the way the Knicks season has gone, you think they're going to rule out making a run at Kyrie, depending on what the vaccination law is? I don't know. I, I'll believe that when I see it, I guess. Um, like, you just never know. And and they salvaged. So they had the Harden trade, which made them the greatest theoretical team of all time. That fell apart. They trade Harden. They salvage like, trading a star, you've gone over this more than anyone. Like, you usually just get killed in those trades. You usually take a bunch of assets that don't turn into enough and you've lost the trade and your whole franchise is set back. Well, they salvage that with another uh, maybe star. We'll see how Simmons is for them. Uh, But like, you can only do that so many times before you start diluting your talent. Like if they just fail this year, the clock is like, it's not ticking. It's already been ticking and now it's accelerating. Um, And And, and Durant was in the 2007 draft. Okay. Look at the guy. Look at the guys for. Look at his peers from that era: Westbrook, Blake Griffin, Ooh. Derrick Rose, Al Horford, Jeff Green. Durant's old. He doesn't seem like he's old, but he is. He's he, this is year fifteen. So well, I don't. I, I, I don't finally, know. There's a lot of years messing around here. I finally melted down on TV last week because um, we again did the segment about can the Nets make a run in the East. Mm. And I said, I'm so tired. I'm just tired. I'm tired of who's ramping up, who's ramping down, what the laws are, who doesn't want to be there, what injury might be real, what injury might be fake. It's like, guys, look at the standings. At that time, the Nets are eighth. They're 500. We do this segment every day, and every day they lose. Like, how much of a run can they make? Oh, they just lost to the Hornets last night. Or they just lost to the Raptors last night. What's their record? What are they like? 32 and 33. They're now under 500. What's that streak they're on there? It's like they're like I, three and twelve or something. When they win, I'm like, holy, shit, they won. That's where they are. That's what the streak is. They've reached the holy, shit, they won portion of this of their season. Um, their first game in the play-in when they were eighth was going to be in Toronto, where Kyrie can't play. Like, why are we all acting as if it's a fait accompli that they're in the playoffs, let alone making a run in the playoffs? Let me ask you this though, Kevin. Well, O'Connor- you, know, you know who's coming? The Wizards. Porzingis is back. What it the the Wizards are twenty nine and thirty four. Brooklyn's thirty two and thirty three. They're only a game behind them in the loss column, and they, and they're the eleven seed. But I'm with you. How do we know Brooklyn's going to make the playoffs? We don't. Okay, so as the season goes on, I I still watch every team and monitor every team, but certain teams just go to the back of your brain 
and their current season ceases to have any meaning to you. And you, the just, Wizards? Say, you just say the cupboard's shut. They're gone. I'm yeah. watching to see how Avdia and Hachimura play together. I'm not checking the stand. I can't. You can't get the Wizards from the back of my brain to the front anymore. They're gone. I can't even do it. Um, let me ask you this. Um, the Nets. Yeah. What's their? I, I've been thinking a lot about what their. What is their best five if they have Simmons back? Okay, so and Kyrie can play every game, which is I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but let's just, or he's playing. So I I think four are Kyrie, Curry, or if not Curry, pick Mills or Dragic or whoever you want of like the little guy shooter archetype. But let's just say Curry, Kyrie, Curry, Durant, Simmons, and then question mark. And that question mark has been gnawing at me because when you look at it, it's either another undersized shooter like Mills or Dragic. Or Dragic is not a shooter shooter, but you know what I mean. Like another undersized defense challenged guy. It's uh, a a wing who fits that profile that you want there but is a one-way player. Like Bruce Brown is mostly defensively. He's been playing very well lately. Cam Thomas, do I trust him? Kessler Edwards, do I trust him? He's young. Or it's a big guy. And other than Aldridge, all the big guys – can't shoot. Bruce Brown's a non-shooter. James Johnson's a non-shooter. Do I want to play those guys with Simmons? So they're really picking without Joe Harris, the Nets, if that's their four out of their five closing five, they're really picking between a bunch of choices that are really imperfect in terms of I'm going all offense and to hell with defense. I'm going with Curry and Mills next to Kyrie, or I'm trying to get en- enough defense, but how is Simmons going to play with another non-shooter? And you saw how they closed that game in Boston yesterday. Bruce Brown was their answer to that question with Claxton in like the Simmons spot. I just, I'm really interested to see how they solve that, that issue. I'd like to pour one out for Blake Griffin. Cause you did, you mentioned 40 nets and didn't mention Blake. Griffin, didn't mention him. So I know. yeah, it's kind of, it's, I guess it's over. Um, so I thought about this yesterday because they played Brown and Claxton together with the two guards and Durant. And you think like, all right, let's just move Simmons into that Brown spot with Claxton. That's probably their five finishing because Claxton, you know, the the stats are the best for them defensively when Claxton is out there as the five, right? Yeah, he's and he closed their previous game the other night. I don't know who So I would assume I that's the five. What was interesting, though, is against Boston, that's a bad matchup because they were just – hunting either Curry or Kyrie who, you know, they had size advantages on both guys on the flip side. You could see Durant kind of figuring out the geometry of it when they started trapping them and, and they were doing that four and three thing. And all of a sudden now you have Curry and Kyrie on two sides, both of whom are, are incredible three point shooters. So I would, I would assume it's Simmons in the Bruce Brown spot and Bruce takes a hike. Would be I would guess. assume it. I would assume it's Simmons in the Claxton spot. And Bruce Brown. Really, you get rid of Claxton. Interesting. And Bruce, I, I just don't know if Claxton and Simmons can play together um, offensively, especially if I'm trying really hard to nurture Simmons. By the way, to your point on Simmons, I don't know who it was on my podcast that said, "Well, if if it was months ago," said, "Well, if they had just beaten the Hawks in that series, are we really talking about Ben Simmons meltdown anymore?" And I'm like. Yes, absolutely. It was a, t- a two-week meltdown. It wasn't it was, one game. And the point of it, the, the larger point is, it's not a new thing. Like, in the Toronto series, he was invisible offensively for five of the six games as a scorer. But I think more, damn you look back in, at his assist numbers in that series against the Raptors, in five of the seven games, 
he had five or fewer assists. Like, he was just doing nothing that entire series. He did nothing against the Celtics the year before. Like, this is a prolonged pattern of as the stakes get higher, it takes till round two, to, to Simmons' credit. It takes till round two, and he just sort of fades into this dunker spot role of doing nothing, which with the Nets, given their two elite ball handlers, he can probably do that and do most of what they need from him, whereas that was not the case on Philly, given their lack of ball handling. But I, 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 I don't mind putting him number one in the pressure rankings. Let's Zach, just say that. He shot 34.2% from the free throw line in the playoffs last year in 12 games. Heck of Ben. We're going to see it. He was 70 71% in year one in the 2018 playoffs. 57.5% 2019, 34.2, an all-time record. Think of all the terrible free-throw shooters we've ever had in the NBA playoffs. He had the worst ever. He made one out of every three free-throws. And now we're expecting he's going to be the swing piece for Brooklyn. I don't get it. I just want to see it. Let me see it. Let me see where his head's at. To me, free-throws are things you can practice. I know we've had like Shaq and Wilt over the years, but I always felt like that was like weird center tall guy with big hands. Like this, the Simmons thing is is practice and mental fortitude, and we haven't seen it. And so I have him one. Looming all over this, of course, is Durant, one of the ten to twelve at worst greatest players of all time. Yep, has the two titles in Golden State, and and the further we get away from the Durant Warriors thing the more you just see the tentacles and the ripple effects in, in every in every direction. You know, what how the, how how fans and pundits count those two titles for Durant. The questions it, it raised, which look ridiculous in retrospect about, well, can Steph carry a championship level team on his own? What it did to the LeBron LeBron probably lost the title because of because of Durant going to the words. The two thousand seventeen Cavs were unbelievable. It just the and, and and now he's attached at the hip with a guy who hasn't been available for more than 15, 16 games this year in Kyrie and Harden came his old OKC teammate that fell apart for whatever reason. And it's like, just it's, it's as you have opined many times on your podcast, considering Durant's stature in the history of the game as I, I think he's going to go down as a top 10 all-time player when it's all said and done. I have him 10 30 at, at worst. As you say, at worst, I mean, he is just, just a majestic force it's sort of depressing like that this is what his career is right now and and it didn't look it looked during that buck series like everything was going to be fine and he's back and yeah the, the nets are banged up and since then it's been like whew. yeah it's like one of those if you do his career 10 times this is one of the least fun outcomes Russell and i were talking yesterday we were doing like the 12 year history of the lakers what if he just signs with the lakers in 2016 durant he goes from the Thunder to the Lakers, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to make this my city, my team. I'm a Laker. This is like even that's more fun than how it played out. Even though I I stand by the 2017 Warriors as probably the best basketball team I've ever seen. Oh, no, I, so to so that, best. it's worth it. You're a little older than me, but they are the best basketball team I've ever seen. And he was a two-time Finals MVP. He wasn't along for the ride. He he was yeah. the most important player on those teams in terms of impact on the biggest stages. By the way, Zach, they have at Charlotte tomorrow night. Not an easy game at Charlotte. Then at Philly on Thursday with no Simmons, obviously. But Kyrie so, can play those games. But they could be 32 and 35 in 72 Look, hours. Look, if I, if I have to sit there 
and spend one minute looking at the Wizards' schedule to see if they hold the tiebreak over Teams XY. <laughs> I can't. I can't. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. What's your number two? All right. My number two is uh, James Harden, who both you and I have talked about a million times. Uh, and his... I'm, ex- I'm excited because he was Harden is number one on my pressure rankings. Harden alone. Harden alone. Not the Sixers, not Doc Rivers, although I know you want I know you're gonna you can't you're not gonna be able to resist three one blown lead jokes. Uh it's Harden. Really, by himself. At least Doc won a title. You know, I mean he, he, we could talk about some of the failures and there's been many of them. But at least he has the title. Harden's done jack, you know, and you and I have both talked about it in all kinds of different forums about that's gonna end up being his legacy, this great player who's who for what his talent was, kind of stunk in the playoffs and had a bunch of no-shows over and over again, repeatedly, year after year, where you watched him and you said, this guy just isn't as good in the playoffs as he is in the regular season. And at some point that matters. And when we're talking about guys, you know, 20, 30 years from now, that's the default. George Gervin, one of the great scorers, you know, and certainly one of the best scorers I've seen in person. And I had him, I think, 33 when I did my book. Um, one of the best two guards ever. But, you know, it really for him came down to that 79 bullet series. And they blew a 3-1 lead. And he got outplayed by Bobby Dandridge in game seven. And that was his best chance. Harden's had like five of those. And Harden's had games that I went to when he completely checked out in must-win games for his team. I was at that Clippers-Rockets game in 2015 when they took him out and he put towel over his head and the game was over. And then the Josh Smith-Corey Brewer, Brewer tsunami happened and all of a sudden they were at it. They were skating. That's a, that's a top five in my NBA career, in my career working around the NBA. That's a top five I wish I was at that game game. I just like – I can't imagine what that game was like in terms of Clipper fan reactions – Houston, like being even the Rockets were like, is this happening? Like, what the hell is going on? We're gonna win this game. This is crazy. It was the craziest non-Celtic game I've ever been to, and the crowd immediately sensed it. And all the skeletons came up. And meanwhile, Harden's on the bench. He wasn't moving for half the quarter, and then when the comeback was really, and all of a sudden he was standing up, but he was done. He checked out and he stunk. And I have a lot of questions about him as a playoff guy that. Um, I guess we're going to have answered. The difference this time is he's playing with somebody who's actually better than him and who's more dominant than him and is more unstoppable than him. And he can ride Embiid, and maybe that's the answer. Maybe maybe he has to 
ride the coattails of a better player to get over whatever weird playoff thing he has. Three years ago on your podcast, I had both annoyed you and myself for making a comparison uh, that I that I wish I wish that I had I had I had written like a giant column about it because it was, was great. It was one of your best ones ever. That James Harden is guard Carl Malone right it's now. It's great, perfect, and and. Carl Malone's numbers, you look at Carl Malone's numbers, if you just took his name off of the numbers, you'd be like, oh, this is one of the five best players in NBA history. Like, they're insane. And then you're like, oh, it's Carl Malone. Oh, he's like the 21st best player, 18th best player, whatever it is in NBA history. Like, no one sits around and talks about Carl Malone. There's no one, there's no Carl Malone barroom debate outside of Salt Lake City with people drinking the fake 2% alcohol beer, having a discussion about Malone aside. No one, Carl Malone is literally, this is the first time Carl Malone has come out in my house in the year and a half I lived here. No one talks about Carl Malone. That's what James Harden is going to be in 20 years when we're all sitting around talking about basketball from this year. We're going to talk about LeBron and Kobe, the the Warriors, Giannis, Embiid, Luka's probably going to have a couple titles, Jokic. And it's like, oh, yeah, Harden's like has more points than all of them. That's weird. Remember James Harden? Like that was – yeah, he was 2 of 11 in a bunch of big playoff games. Like that was a whole was a whole thing. Remember the game he had 12 turnovers and people were like, does he have a concussion? Like what's what, what's going on? Like or, that's what, or he, if that's I what say he's to you. Yeah, remember that game he went two for eleven in the playoff game, and you'd be like, "Which one? Which one? There were which, three. Which year? Literally three, <laughs> three, and three they're all ones. and they're all like pivotal games. The last one was Game Four of the Lakers Rockets series in the bubble with the Lakers leading two one, and you laughed at me, laughed at me before that series when I said I think the Rockets have a real chance to win this series, and even I went further. I said if those two guards could ever get their together. I actually think the Rockets should win this series. And what happened? They won game one and crapped the bed four games in a row. And weirdly, Harden's numbers from that series are good. 29 points a game on 50% shooting. And it's like, I just don't remember. I, I just remember them melting down again. And probably like a lot of those points, if you look at Harden's playoff record, he probably had a great fourth quarter when the Rockets were down 25 in one of those games. That's just how it's been for him. You quit on the Rockets, fine. They were not trending well. They were not trending well because you made them trade Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. That was a disaster. And by the way, they gave up two first-round picks in the same trade. Thanks, James, for that out the door. Quit on Brooklyn. Fine. There are justifiable reasons for being upset about quit, how the Brooklyn— Quit on Brooklyn while wow, pretending he wasn't quitting on Brooklyn and refusing to actually make it seem like he was quitting well, on JJ Brooklyn Ray- while he was quitting on Brooklyn. And, 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 and now you're where you want to be. Team number whatever this is now with an MVP all-time level center on your team. The early returns suggest this team is, I don't know what you think, but like I've seen them all, all every minute they've played together. They're absolutely good enough to win the championship as is. No doubt about it. They have a championship caliber team. This is it. This is put up or shut up. If it's the second round of the playoffs and you're playing the Heat and you go 2 of 11 with 6 turnovers in game 5 and the Heat take a 3-2 lead and go on. I just, I can't anymore. This is it. Do it now. Get to the finals now. His biggest moments in his playoff career are the shot to beat the Spurs 10 years ago when there was no pressure on James Harden. It was all gravy. That fourth quarter was great. Young up-and-coming team. And blocking Lou Dort in Game 7 of a first-round playoff series in the bubble against the Thunder in a series that really just no one cares about or remembers. That's it. Everything else is like, oh, he had 35 points. Oh, they were down 3-0. This is it. It's put up or shut up now. Well, listen— 
I think it's a new James Harden because you even think about since he showed up at Philly, they have that huge game against Miami on Saturday night. And you think in the old days, maybe Harden skips this game and says it's hamstring maintenance or something. But new James Harden, this guy's going to go into Miami toe-to-toe. This is a team they have to beat. He's going to show them I'm a new – oh, no, no, he skipped the game. My bad. Well, look, the hamstring thing is real. I mm. do. I I did laugh that he came to Philly and immediately looked amazing again because I I had said Dan on string TV, as well. He played on Friday and then skipped the Saturday game. How about playing the Saturday game against a team you're going to have to beat in the playoffs? Why are you playing is, the easier game? This is classic saying, James Harden. All I'm, all I'm saying is it hampered him in the playoffs and it hampered him earlier in the season. So there's something going on there. But then don't I, play I, Friday night. Then I did. I did laugh when he got to Philly and looked amazing again. And look, I, I did the whole Sixers deep dive with Tim Bontemps last week. I think the fit has been tremendous. Embiid doesn't have to do so much heavy lifting anymore. They found a nice balance between Harden offense and Embiid offense, lineup staggering, all of that. I have seen a couple possessions. There are a couple possessions. Watch that Cavs game very carefully, where Embiid is off the ball and Harden goes into his stuff. And then he calls up like Maxi for a screen. Harden and Maxi have a nice two-man thing going. There are a couple, just a couple possessions where you can see Embiid kind of sag his shoulders and mm. shoulders just like, eh, okay, I'm just I'm watching it. But together they are a perfect match. This team can absolutely Wait, win hold the on. title. What's let's do the sag our sh- sag sag the shoulders um, power rankings for 2022 because I have Anthony Edwards one. Really? For, for the D'Angelo Russell through the legs with two minutes left when he has the ball for 10 seconds and then does the three, and Edwards is in the corner. That, I think he's number one for me, but he, he's very good at hiding it. But I love Ant-Man, so I, I see you, Ant-Man. I have to say, I, I have not been a huge D'Lo guy. I was, don't do it, Zach. No, don't, no. I, don't, I, I immediately declared and I was in the minority that the Warriors had won that trade, and I didn't think it was particularly close. His shooting numbers are meh this year, but when I watch them play, he's weirdly I'm like, important. He, I'm with playing. him. It's not that he's important. It's like he's because he's important because his backups have been so up and down, and they don't really have a great backup for him. I just think he's kind of playing a nice, calm, mature. I, I don't know. I've liked what I've seen from him this year more than the numbers. That's that's all on D'Lo. Um, uh, By the way, one thing on D'Lo with the with the splits for him, you know how some you know you look at the win loss, the stats if if the team wins and the team loses, and a lot of times they they don't say anything. D'Lo's one of the rare guys where so in wins, he's shooting forty four percent, twenty and seven, and in losses he's thirty eight percent and eighteen and seven. But it does seem like when he plays well, they're pretty tough. I just have no idea when he's going to play well. So we get to like the play-in, they're going to be seven eight against the Clippers or the Lakers, and he's they're going to sink or swim with how he plays. Which is, I think he's the weirdest sink or swim guy out of all the teams, out of all the guys that are in the playoffs, because he's clearly their sink or swim guy. Anyway, they're they're on a nice run right now without Ant, um, and Cat is playing out of his mind. Uh, give me your th- number three on the. Uh the pressure ranking since we've overlapped now on the first two. So um, in some order, anyway, who's number three, you're not going to have this as your number three. I'm very, now I'm excited. Go. You're going to groan <laughs> wince and be super uncomfortable. It's clay Thompson and Steve Kerr. Wow. They're not even, the warriors are not even on my list. No warrior, not any warrior, not even, there's just no warrior there. 
please justify this. The clay thing is weird. I was there in person on Saturday. It's unclear if he's one of their best eight players right now. I know Saturday, from a talent Saturday standpoint, was, he is. Saturday was the Lakers. The Lakers come back. LeBron has fifty, whatever. Okay. They have all the Warriors are super weird. They have all these two guards. They have no point guard without Draymond. They have no playmaking, and it's just like a bunch of guys jacking shots, right? And they'll get through it, and Draymond will come back. But the clay part is weird because he looks skinnier to me in person. He hasn't played in two and a half years. I think there's this sense that, oh, no, it's clay. But I don't know, man. Two and a half years is a long time. Think how long that is. It's 30 months. Like, he went out way before the pandemic, you know? And um, and I think, that, I think that's a weird spot for a coach and an organization to be in where you want to be loyal to your guy. But Jordan Poole's really good, you know, and they have multiple two-way guys that they can throw out there, and they're beholden to the clay thing, and he's got to start playing better for them because he's playing 28, 30 minutes. Before the All-Star break, he was playing pretty well. Um, after the All-Star break, no. But it's it's weird where you're waiting for this guy to come back, and if they're not the guy that they were or, or it's going to take a while, whatever – but they're giving him these big minutes with this deep team they have. I think it's going to start to get weird. I think it's a really hard thing to manage too if you're Kerr because you want to stay loyal to your guy. But at some point, where we're going to be in the playoffs and you're going to have to win games. So what happens if Clay's benched in the fourth quarter of game two? That becomes a huge storyline. And then if you're Clay, like you're trying, you know, you've had two major injuries. You're trying to get your your mojo back, your whole thing back, and. You have to do it pretty high stakes now. They're 14 and 14 to the last 28. You know, they're going to be, they, they're going to end up being a four seed by the time this is all said and done. They're going to have to go against Luka or Jokic in round one, probably. And I think, I think there's weird pressure on Clay. I know he's a champ, three time champ, whole thing. I get it. But it's tough to be the injured guy who's back trying to find your footing when you're in the middle of the playoffs. I'd love to be the video guy who's in charge of preparing the scouting report for the Mavericks or the Nuggets. And you're like, and the coaches are like, all right, you got to tell us like what works against watch every Luca pick and roll. Tell us what works. Watch every Jokic post up. Tell us what works. So you just like watch a thousand clips of these guys destroying everybody. And you come back with a blank sheet of paper that just says like, good luck. That's <laughs> right. it. That's, that's, that's the whole, here you go, Steve. I got nothing for you. Uh, I'm, so the Warriors, like you said, are 500 in their last 28 games or whatever it is. They, they've had a couple, a few bad losses lately. I thought that Lakers game was an unbelievable performance by LeBron, obviously. But um, I, I'm strangely unworried. And, okay. And maybe I'm just being Pollyanna-ish because I think Clay, Clay's averaging 16.5 a game on 37% shooting from three. Defensively, he's clearly lost – a decent chunk of what was once an elite defensive skill set. Now he might Zach, get some of that back. I got to say it's worse than I expected in person. Well, he's not, he's not the same defender anymore. No, so whether but, that comes back or not, I don't know, but this, this guy used to be one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. I, it's about what I expected. And his offense has frankly exceeded what I expected. Now 45% on twos and he's taken a lot of twos, half the shots are twos. Some of those shots feel forced to me, and I'm okay with him forcing shots right now, particularly when Steph is on the bench, because it's like I, you just got to become Clay. I got to get as much, I got to get you as close to Clay as I can get you before the games really matter. And I just think Draymond is the engine of the team on both no ends question. of the floor, and if he's healthy, 
they're awesome. And if he's not healthy, they have no chance to win the title. And so I'm just going to wait and see. All the reports I've gotten privately and publicly have all been good. Um, and so I'm just sort of assuming that he comes back and unlocks everything that they, that makes them special, eases the burden on Stephen Clay. To your point on Poole, he's been wildly up and down, but he's good, and he's a force offensively. I actually think when Draymond comes back, we're going to see a little more of Steph, Poole, and Clay all together to see if that can survive defensively with Wiggins and Draymond or P- Porter and Draymond, whoever's at the four and the five, or Draymond and Looney even. Uh, I think we'll see a little bit of that to see how powerful it can be offensively, but... I still, I think Clay has exceeded my expectations personally. I don't know what else Steve is supposed to do now. What I think Steve Kerr has the, the gravitas to if if he has to bench Clay Thompson in the fourth quarter of a game, I I think he'll he'll do it. I, I just, re- I'm not worried, and I might just be. I, I'm often guilty of being slow to worry because yeah. I've seen so many people overreact so quickly to small trends. So I've just kind of been like, eh, they lost, they lost, they lost. I'm not worried yet. Maybe I'm too late. The exercise is the pressure rankings. Yes. And we've seen this before in different situations with different players and different teams. And by the way, just for the record, I love Clay. I really do. I, Everybody he's, loves he's Clay. What I, I, this is not like, you know, I'm a huge fan. Which if is why. Found, what, what would happen if you went to a bar and you're talking basketball back when you could like go to bars yeah. and someone was like, "I really hate Clay Thompson." Yeah, f- I would be guy. like, "I need no." I would be like, "I need to have a 45 minute conversation right. just with you." Are you a Cavs fan? Like, I just don't understand how it's possible. I think what made him special uh, for me, other than just he was one of the best shooters I've ever seen, was just how he could defend everybody. You know, and he really was like there. Everyone talked about Draymond's defense, but I always thought I was always so impressed by Clay's ability to guard small guys and big guys, which I think is, you know, if you're looking at the Kawhi, Pippen, 2012 range LeBron, Ben Simmons, even last year before he had the meltdown in the playoffs. But these guys that can guard all types of guys, I think that's the last piece. And I thought Clay could do that. I don't think he could do that anymore. And, and watching them, in person, like I guess their best defender in those situations would be Wiggins, but Wiggins has been in a tailspin, you know, the last month or so. And I just, that team seemed really disjointed to me. And there's not a lot of time left to figure it out. And the reason I think f- from a pressure standpoint with Clay is like when you have the gravitas and the legacy and you're coming in with the reputation and people think they know who you are, I don't, I think if it's not happening in the playoffs, it almost feels worse because it's like, oh, man, I thought we were going to be able to count on Clay once we got to the playoffs and he can't get it going. And now it's like, oh, Clay's sitting out. And I just we know how this goes. We know what the talking points are going to be. So I, I could see the pressure building on it. I, maybe one of the reasons I'm not worried as you say that is there's all this talk about Brooklyn's running out of time. Philadelphia's running out of time to get their chemistry. Like, I just don't think Golden State needs any time. Those three guys have played a gazillion big games yeah, together. I, I just I just don't think they need any time. So maybe that's one of the reasons that I'm being potentially naive. I still really like this team, but now I'm going to transition to my list because number two yeah, on my th- list, yeah. my, number two on my list dovetails with the Warriors and it's Chris Paul slash the Phoenix Suns who are by far the best team in the league. Record-wise, they're going to be the number one overall seed. It's not going to be close. They're 51-13, and 13, despite missing both Booker and Paul, recently lost in Milwaukee. It put up, you know, they got the Cam Johnson buzzer beater over the Knicks 
on Friday. Put up a good fight in Milwaukee against basically the the full, almost the full Bucks. Obviously, Connaughton's not playing, and Lopez isn't playing. Um, you know, I I think my worry about this team last year, not worry, but the reason why I I didn't pick them to make the finals last year was, and this is a classic Chris Paul team worry was. I just I think they're playing at their ceiling in the regular season. I'm not sure they have another gear because they're just so damn good already. They maximize every possession. Chris Paul maximizes every second he's on the floor. I've kicked that because their ceiling is so awesome that they don't need a higher ceiling. Their ceiling is amazing. They don't need a higher ceiling. Just playing your best players better minutes or more minutes is enough of a higher ceiling for them. I guess I'm slightly not even worried, but if if I've had a couple of people around the league talking about a potential Golden State-Phoenix matchup, Mm. say to me, my worry for the Suns in that matchup is I don't know if they're as versatile as some other teams in terms of being able to play multiple styles uh, against teams that can shapeshift the way the Warriors can by going with Draymond at center. I'm not even convinced of that. The reason why I have them so high on my pressure rankings is, A, Chris Paul is not going to have very many more chances to win the title, and he's one of the best players of all time. We can talk about his postseason record if you want. I actually think... I I actually think his crunch time resume is other than the 2014 meltdown between the Thunder and the Clippers where he blew game five for the Clippers on the road. I think his crunch time record both in the playoffs and in the regular season, again, in the playoffs and in the regular season, is basically unimpeachable other than some ill-timed. 2015 is bad. 2015. You blew a 26-point lead at home in a clincher. Let's let's talk about it. That's bad. He won a series. Yeah, with a game seven buzzer beater in the previous round, he won. I'm just saying, if you're the point god, you he your was team... and, and he was hurt. He hurt his hamstring and missed, I believe, the first two games of that Clippers series and and uh, of the Rockets series rather. He played for both teams, so it's screwing up my memory. Um, I, I just I, like he I'm with you. I'm just saying you legs. can't you can't skip over it. I, well, we didn't skip over it then. I, 2014 he, was bad, and then 2018 he got hurt. Well, in 2016, he was hurt. Last year, he was hurt like three separate times in the playoffs. Um, and But this and- is why, you know, when people are like, oh, the Paul Westbrook trade, you know, because at that point, I, I, w- I didn't think that was a terrible trade for Houston because I thought Chris Paul couldn't stay on the floor for eight straight months. That was that was the sample size we had. Then he started eating plants. Did the plant-based diet <laughs> change his career? I'm with you on the pressure thing. I think, uh, you know. Especially because they came so close last year. And we talked about that series when you were on my pod. Like, man, it's like three plays go differently. They win the title, you know? And I don't know. I think it's lined up for them. I think they have the, you know, Johnson and Bridges are both better. I Johnson, to me, has definitely gone up a level. Like, there's no question. I actually, am, if you bet against the Suns in a random game and Johnson has, I'm just scared every time he has it. The eight thing's weird because it does seem like they were sniffing around trying to trade him. They didn't extend him. I don't know how that plays out in the playoffs, but I like their team. I think they're better than they were last year. Well, he's going to be the key if and when they face the Warriors. They're going to need him to have a monster series. And I actually think this stretch without Booker and Paul has been good for him because he's shooting more. He's Mm. busting out his jump shot, which he hasn't used much at all this season. He's taking a lot of long twos. He's taking some threes. And he's shooting from the post without any hesitation. And he's gonna. We've seen when they played the Warriors that he's gonna get all sorts of chances to feast against smaller guys. He's gonna have to beat up. No, he doesn't beat anybody up, but he's gonna have to try to punish Draymond just because of his height 
advantage and his rebounding advantage um, and and teed up for them, you know, looming over all of this, whether whatever, whichever Western Conference team you want to talk about, and Utah is next on my pressure rankings, is yeah. the Clippers and the, and the Nuggets are just waiting there to be optimized again, to be healthy again. And the assumption, my assumption is neither team will be at their best, even if they get people returning this year, until next year. And they may walk into next year, with all due respect to Phoenix, as one and two in the West, if those teams are fully healthy. The West is going to look a lot different next year. The Suns got very close last year. CP is 36 or 35 or whatever he is, um, with a history of injuries in the playoffs. Maybe he got his injury over with now, and he's going to go into the playoffs healthy. That would be ideal. But they are teed up to win, and they are just awesome. And it's funny you mentioned Cam Johnson. Because I wrote about Cam Johnson in my Friday column like two months ago, a month and a half ago. And it was a it was a like. It was a positive item about how he was just on fire. He had made like multiple threes in some crazy amount of consecutive games. But I had a line in there about on this Phoenix team with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, he's always going to be kind of a 3 and D guy with a little like pump and go oomph. And I got a yeah. call from someone, let's say close to the team, saying – I know that was meant to be a positive item. You're underselling Cam Johnson. He's going to make a leap. He's going to do more stuff off the dribble and from the mid-range. He's going to score more than you think. You watch. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll watch. And like his last month, he's he when he scores 20 in a game now, it's not, a, it's not a surprise. He has really made a meaningful, meaningful leap. I think this team is just awesome. And you only get so many chances when you're awesome, when the league breaks, breaks right for you, windows close fast. I think I think it's there if if healthy they have earned favorite status I think for me um, and so no I'm question. just excited I, but I don't I think no question is not right though because I think because, but they're they're home though they have we know they're going to have every series at home so that makes them the favorites for me because they've been the most consistent even if you team include even if you include the East teams Bucks notably Bucks and Sixers I think maybe I think he, Phoenix has to be the favorite okay I don't, I don't think there's any question. You know, Cam Johnson's going to make like ninety million dollars when he's—he's a most improved candidate right now. That—that's like the kind of guy every team wants, and we saw with the Bridges contract. Like those guys are ninety to hundred million dollar guys now. With Phoenix, I'm with you because that you mentioned Denver. Who is the other team you said is going to be Clippers? Clippers. The Clippers. If they re-sign Covington, like Covington, they're just loaded with wings. Up, they don't even need. They're not even. Don't even need center. Center's like a luxury for them. They have so many wings. Ballmer's well, going to pay whatever tax it takes, probably. And don't forget the Lakers, who have Westbrook and the 2029 first. So clearly, they're going to get a third. Superstar. Did they make your? Did they make your pressure rankings? They did not. They did not. You mentioned though teams next year. I got to throw Golden State in there because, uh, and I, I've I've loved Kaminga all season from what I've seen, but seeing him in person, I don't know what happens with that guy, but I'm buying the rookie cards. I'll tell you that much. Well, that guy I'm, is. I'm glad you revisited this because when you brought up the Warriors, I meant to say one positive thing from this is that they're stretching out Moody and Kaminga. And figuring I out, I liked Moody too. These guys are going to be able to give us. Like, Kaminga just does something no one else on the team does, which is you blink and he's on top of the rim, and you're like, "Oh my god, what the hell just happened?" Kaminga's quick twitch, like like what you just said, his ability to all of a sudden be at the rim is kind of unparalleled right now. I'm mean, I don't even know 
who else in the league can get to the rim line. I mean, there's different guys who are in the air and all that stuff, but like, I was stunned by how fast he jumps and the second jump ability and all those things. But, you know, he's a little smaller than I thought. He's probably like six, seven. So, you know, I, I've heard the Kawhi's been thrown around with him as a possible ceiling, but I don't, I honestly don't even know who to compare him to. I don't know what he is. I think his chance to be, you know, an elite, elite defender, an elite athlete. He's completely fearless. He was totally unafraid in the Laker game. And um, that guy's a gem. I have him coming up in a, if we do the AD trades. 34% from three, taking them when he's open. The question is going to be, will they trust him enough defensively, you know, to make the correct reads and rotations know what, in the playoffs? Yeah. And, and He doesn't I, know what he's doing. But yeah, that, it's yeah. fine. He's such a good athlete. It might not 100% matter because you just want the athleticism out there. I think he's going to matter in playoff home games, but I could see road games. Maybe you don't trust him. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. And with a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. I went. So here, here is my four, five, six, seven pressure rankings, and then because we yeah. can then transition to, to whatever you want to talk about. Four was Utah, and I've talked about Utah a lot. I had about, them six. About about just it's we're we're getting we're getting there with Utah. We're getting towards like the Clippers, Blake, the Blake CP DJ Clippers of like we've just we've just got kicked in the balls too many times. Like it's, it's just it's just happening. I'm already there. I reached that point. Yeah, you're out. You're out. I'm out. You've been you've been out since. So nothing sways you. Their numbers with Gobert and Mitchell don't sway you. They're just, nope. they're just you're just out. I'm out. I'm out. So let me let me ask you this then. Everyone, I also think they're too slow on the perimeter too. I did a whole Utah thing with Tim McMahon last week. I, they're definitely to me have fallen a notch below the Suns and the Warriors. No shame in that. They could still win the West. It wouldn't shock me. But I just think I have them a little a little below. So then that leads to the well. If they lose, this I've said this a million times. Uh, if they lose, well, everything's on the table. Everything. Everything's on the table for them this offseason other than Donovan Mitchell. That's the only sure thing on the team. And we can even talk about that if you want. But then it's like I, I have not been responsible enough to ask the follow-up question, which is like, well, what does that actually look like? What, like? what can they actually do? What is the Rudy Gobert trade? 
with him making $46 million in 2026. 2026. What is the Rudy Gobert trade that's like revitalizing their franchise around Donovan Mitchell? What's the Boyan Bogdanovich trade that's rebuilding the depth around Donovan Mitchell? Like, what's the Mike Conley move? Like, what's the move? I don't, I, I haven't found a move that I love other than keep it together and pray that Donovan Mitchell doesn't start agitating for something that makes me lose sleep at night. I don't know either. I guess it won't depend on how badly the playoffs go or how well the playoffs go. Like, if they shock everybody, they make the finals, then they're fine. Yeah, if for they sure. Lose, if they lose in round one, all of a sudden we're having a different conversation. I would say Golden State would be the worst-case scenario for them in round one, which is very conceivable. That could be the 4-5 matchup. And I went to the Lakers-Utah game last week, and the Lakers went small with LeBron. Or, yeah, it was with last week. And it was the same. It was the same thing over and over again with this Utah team, where the team goes small, and all of a sudden there's a big comeback. And I don't know. I'm bored of it. Good luck. Well, they, good luck they, to they, them, though. The all. The all. The interesting thing about Utah is that their last four playoffs are 2008 second round loss four one to the Rockets. Their offense is the bed. 2018 rather. 2019 first round loss to the Rockets four one. Their offense is the bed. 2020 first round loss to the Nuggets in the bubble, blowing a 3-1 lead. Their defense is the bed. 2021 second round loss to the Clippers. Their defense allows 128 points per 100 possessions, mostly because of bad perimeter defense and less because of Rudy Gobert defense. I will say that Nuggets series in the bubble, I was looking back on my notes. There were portions of that series, particularly game six, where they just they, they took Gobert off of Jokic because they were too afraid of having him against Jamal Murray in the pick and roll because Murray was just volcanic in that series. But for the most part, their defensive shortcomings to me have not been about Gobert. But my point is, there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to how they have failed in the playoffs. One year, it's just we missed a million open threes and we didn't have anything else in, in the quiver. Another year, it's our defense fails. And just like, that's four. That's four straight disappointments, sour taste in the mouth eliminations. If it gets to five... It just at some point you'll look around at each other and like, man, you know, our chemistry is only is like not a plus to begin with. And like, I just don't believe anymore. And I just don't know what the pivot is. The coach than, probably gets fired. It would be the next move. Except Quinn has done a great job and gotten he's like Brad Stevens West, where they just get extended every two years to the point that you can't even keep track of how many years they have left on their contract. He could be under contract through like 2030. I don't even know anymore. Well, Trader anyway. Danny, Trader Danny's there. So that's another piece, too. But I, I don't know. I don't know what Trader Danny can do. Like I don't know what the. I just haven't seen a move. All right, go ahead to go on to your next one. Well, you had Gobert. I had Gobert in Utah six. I had Kyrie, Marks, Nash all lumped together at five. All right, we did that. We did that one. But you know the Marks thing, like the Kyrie pieces. What do you do? What What if Durant's like we're resigning him and nobody else on the Nets wants to resign him? Um, how he plays in the playoffs will determine. I have. I'll do my seventh and last one. So another weird one for me, Jaron Jackson. I love it. I love it. It's not on my list because to me the Grizzlies are just all gravy right now. But I, if you're I, point I can't think that way. No, if I'm you're going to point somewhere, that's the one. I can't say all gravy for them. They have a guy who's playing as well as anybody in the league. They're going to be the two seed. And I, you can't tell me the oh we we made it to round two. This is all great. Like, 
I don't know. I think the league is wide open this year. There's probably nine to 11 teams that could conceivably talk themselves into winning three straight playoff rounds and making the finals. Memphis is one of them. I want to see Jackson, who's going to be left alone in big playoff games until he proves that he can sink all those threes. He's going to be the guy they sag off, and he's got to make them. And that's it. And on top of that, I, you know, I just think it's going to be hard for Ja to do it by himself, especially when you're playing the same team for two straight weeks, as amazing as that guy is. There's got to be the second person, and it's got to be Triple J. Does he have it in him? I like that. I like that pick. I'm kind of jealous of that pick because thank you. He's been defensively. He's not made a leap. He's made like he climbed Mount Everest yeah, defensively. I don't know what the hell happened to him. He became like Dikembe Mutombo, but with speed all of a sudden. Why isn't he in Defensive Player of the Year? Like you can't even find odds on him. You can't. I was gonna say he is. I think he's not. No. Who's no, gonna P- win it? P- go. Is Gobert the betting favorite now? Yeah, Gobert is the. I, I mean, I would just never bet on Gobert. I've been. A, I've watched too many games and bet on too many games when the other team is just like we're gonna go small and you're useless. So I just can't do it. I know all the stats back them up, but um, Bam is in there. I was looking. Uh, I was looking Giannis. on Fanduel. Yeah, Gobert's on Fanduel minus one forty five. Giannis is plus four eighty. Bam is six to one. Draymond was going to win before the injury. Yeah, Time Lord's twelve to one, and. Jaron Jackson Jr., 13 to 1. But I is clearly one of the reasons that team's been succeeding is because of his defense. So I don't understand. I could see Bam making a run too, because Bam, as you know, went to a whole other level like three week, three, four weeks ago. The Bam wagon is filling up. Bam wagon's filling up. Do you up. believe in the Heat? Are you a Heat believer? Like can the Heat win the championship? I do. I was looking at I don't know if you wanted to talk futures and stuff, but I was looking at uh I mean, Miami's five to one to win the East. None of these odds are good value now, unless you're doing like Dallas eighteen to one or Denver twelve to one, just because it's bigger long shots. But Miami is five to one. They're going to get the one seed. Philly gave them the one seed on Saturday night. I think Philly's fine with being the two seed. That's what I learned from Saturday night. Um, and then Oladipo is the wild card because they're kind of a guy short, right? That uh, coming off the bench like. Having one more guy who can play 15, 16 minutes a game and do some things would be ideal for them. And if it's – did you read some of the old Depot stuff today? It seemed like they're pretty confident that he can actually help them. They're saying he looks good. Now, no one has ever looked bad coming back from an injury. Everybody always looks fantastic. Other right. than James Wiseman, I guess, whose injury just goes on indefinitely and I have no idea what the hell is going on anymore. It's like year um, two. <laughs> yeah. It's like James Wiseman played three on three today. Three on three? Yeah, five on five. It's the Warriors on- are the Warriors are big on the three on threes. Three on three. Five By the way, three. I can play three on three. I'm 52 years old. Can we get to five on five? Like best, we play yeah. five on five. And how about, anyway. how about where you have to run up and down the court. Um, uh, but yeah, supposedly he looks good. I I think the Heat are for real. I I Philly just looks awesome, and Milwaukee. I think I might rank the Heat third in championship chances coming out of the East, but it's all tightly bunched at the top, so I I don't see much of a difference. Um. I can't get there with Milwaukee. They've got to rewin my okay, trust. Well you, you, I've had you, them for so five you've got months. To, right, you've got to explain. You've got to explain that because I, I. It's funny. I was talking to someone close with the Bucks today, and I said, "Yeah, you know, I just watched their game against the Suns. I watched one of their other recent games that they also won, and I come out of these wins feeling like I just don't know how to feel because 
ever since the Nets situation went haywire, which you could argue happened the moment they <laughs> made the team, yeah. but ever since it really went haywire, the Bucks were my pick to win the title. I call them the safest bet on the board. They have those three guys. They're plus a lot now with those three guys on the floor. They're clearly, let's just say, not 100% interested in the regular season, and understandably so. But Giannis says the weird part is Giannis tries really hard in every game. That's the part I don't get. He doesn't know any other way. I I just don't think they're 100% engaged as they will be in the playoffs. But who isn't? So is that Chris Middleton? Who's not engaged? Because Giannis is engaged. I think the rest of the team. I think think Drew Holiday's defense has not been as consistently good as it has been in the past. Middleton's had kind of a a weirdly, like he's been prone to these like two or three week jump shooting slumps that are uncharacteristic of him. Um, And obviously the Lopez piece, they missed that. They've been playing around with different defenses with Portis at center. Some of them have worked. Some of them have leaked oil after a while. I just... I keep coming back to they're going to have another gear, and when they play with that other gear, they're going to be really good. But the DiVincenzo trade made me nervous because it chips away at their lineup flexibility. Uh, they're the number of sort of Giannis at center constructions they have. They never found another P.J. Tucker type for those lineups. Is George Hill alive? Is George, remember, George Hill plays for the Bucks. What team is he on? I, is, he's on he, Milwaukee? He's, where is he? Like he sits on, is what injury does he have? They mentioned it last night. I think he has a neck strain, which I'm sure it's a real injury. I'm not I know it's a real injury. I'm not saying it's not. It's just I like he's on the team. I forgot that he's on the team. Connaughton's hurt. So I don't know how to feel. And this person told me, stay confident. They're gonna they're, they're gonna be they're gonna be there. So sell me on your 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 anxiety. I'm not selling any I listen. They were my pick. I had Bucks Suns in October. I stuck with the Bucks. I never wavered. Never got scared. And then you're last wavering week, now. The Celtics week, are making you waver. That's what it is. It's the Celtics. It's not even. I don't even have a replacement for them. I went back. I did this on my pod last week. I went back. I looked at Game Five, Game Six of the Finals. Lopez, Connaughton, and Tucker. They played 86 minutes in Game Five. Those three guys. 86 minutes in Game Six. So the question for me is. Who's playing those 86 minutes to share for them if it's not those three? And I don't like the choices as much. Then Middleton has not looked as good this year as he did last year, just point blank. He looked good yesterday. I watched that game. He looked like playoff Chris Middleton. He looked great. You mentioned the Drew thing because I've noticed this too. And offensively, you know, he's a 50-40-80 guy. He also is 32 years – he's going to be 32 years old in June. He is in his – 13th season he's played 824 games he played like a load of games last year and i'm wondering like what if he's not what if last year was the peak of drew as the defensive stopper and even if he slips like a tiny bit you're gonna need him all three of these rounds if you're them so i did that's that's the other piece i'm a little worried for i don't have a replacement for them i'm not i'm like i think miami has the best odds just because they're the one seed at gunpoint, I would still probably take Milwaukee, but I don't feel good about it. And I think the Celtics could absolutely beat them. They have a lot of confidence against Milwaukee. They've always played them well, and I think they could beat them. I'm with you, too. I do think that with Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday, they have the defenders to at least throw at Tatum and Brown, teams with two wings like that, Levine and DeRozan. Yep. Whatever you want. And I'm with you on they're still my default pick to win the East. I just feel less good about it. And that's good, by the way. That kind of uncertainty, that makes the playoffs fun. If you're forcing me to pick another team, 
I still kind of wonder if Boston has enough shooting around their two guys. I would take Miami if I, I, I would, had to pick I, another team. I think I might take Philly. Um, but it's to me, it's Philly or Miami. Um, and, and we'll see how Philly how Philly looks. My other pressure rankings were the Pelicans – just to make mm. some noise in the play-in. And, By the way, and, they've already won the Frisky Award for the 2022. Just, just incredibly frisky, right? Three guys, Jonas, McCollum, Ingram, that can get shots. Herb Jones is doing stuff. I've, I've the, been impressed. The pressure was just make sure this is real and you make some noise in the play-in. And this is something that Zion looks at and says, okay, something, something's interesting going on here. Or like... Does, is Zion going to play? Zion's Zion. What the hell was going on with Zion? Just the Zion thing. And then I heard, I, had to, I heard he dropped 24 pounds. It's a lot of pounds. A lot of pounds. Well, Maybe I had Andrew Lopez, our Pelicans guy on last week or uh, to talk about Zion and, and his, he was much less. The sky is falling than some other people have been. And he, he's well connected within that team. So, you know, we'll see. Then I had the Lakers who we'll talk about in a second. Damn. Then I had my under the radar one. You'll like this one. Cause it's so under the radar was the Hawks supporting cast around Trey young because mm. the, the Hawks are, what are the Hawks? One game under 500 massively disappointing. And I liked that team because of their depth. Right. And so you look around and like, they're still pretty deep, but, but Capella hasn't been the same guy. On the flip side, Akongu, who's been awesome when he's played. Um, Reddish is gone. Herder, his numbers are fine. He's just fine. Bogdanovich, just kind of fine. Put the two of them together around Trey. The numbers for that trio are actually pretty good. Do I trust it defensively against a team like Boston or Milwaukee with those big wings? Not sure I do. Then that brings me to DeAndre Hunter. Hasn't really built on last season's playoff run. He's long two. He's down like 35% on long twos. He's not. He doesn't have any passing ability that we've really seen. He's averaging like an assist and a half a game. Obviously, playing with Trey deflates everyone else's assist numbers, but he just hasn't had – like no one has uh, – and other than John Collins, who is really good but injured and everyone is just sort of waiting for the Hawks to decide whether he's a fit with their team or not, just everyone else is just kind of like it leaves you a little cold. And I'm like, well, if this supporting cast that I liked so much six months ago leaves me a little cold – and they flame out in the plane. Like, what, what? I don't know. What, what am I doing with this team? I don't know. That's that's my under-the-radar pick. I like it. That's also your Gobert team. Well, okay. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That Gobert, was interesting. Gobert, Gallinari, and Herder. I just, I like, like that. The, I like the theory of pairing, like, the worst defensive player and the best defensive player yeah. it, it, on it the all, same it, team. It all evens out. It'll be great. I like that. I, uh, I'm with you on Atlanta. I think the weirdest thing to me, I was all in on Hunter last year before he got hurt. It was like, oh, it's happening. I like this guy. He put Julius Randle in jail in the yeah. playoffs. I don't know and, what happened in this And year. was like making enough jump shots to be like, oh, my God. Garland, pick right after him. Oof. That one hurts Knicks fans too, as well as RJ Barrett's been playing lately. Darius Garland, I was going through my most improved player candidates last last year and last week, and you have this tendency as a voter to be like, well, third year guy, top five pick, like he should make all these statistical leaps that he's made this season, but his eye test leap is bigger than his stats leap. Like Darius Garland has grown into a guy. Like Darius Garland commands the game. 
commands his team, has command in the offense in a way that is just a you know it when you see it, regardless of what the numbers say kind of way. Like he he's awesome. He's like almost uh reminds me of like the early nineteen eighties point guards that I grew up with. Like he really has a command of the game now. Old school. Old school like Norm Nixon, Gus Williams style. Did Can Jared I just Allen read you? Inj- yeah, go ahead. Read me something. Jared Allen injury's a bummer is all I was gonna say, but go ahead. Yeah, that team just seems snake bit. I mean, when it starts out with Sexton goes out for the year and it just kind of keeps going. So let's say, let's say the Davis trade doesn't happen summer of 2019. The Lakers had Ingram and Ball, Lonzo Ball. They had the number four pick, which could have been Garland. They also threw 2022 and 24 unprotected. They threw in Josh Hart, who is good enough to be a centerpiece of a C.J. McCollum trade, and pick swaps in 23 and 25. I, that, I, I mean, we'll, I, that's the most anyone's ever going to give up for a player, I think, while we're alive in the NBA. It's a staggering amount of stuff, but it was worth it as we litigated yesterday because they won the title and they restored the Lakers state. But, like, man, just if you just said they traded Ingram Ball and Darius Garland for Anthony Davis, you're like, that's Seems like a fair trade. Oh, no, there's 19 other picks, too, on top of all that stuff. But, so this was your last assignment that I gave you because, frankly, yep. I don't have the bandwidth, and I like when you destroy my brain. Stephen A. Smith was, I think, the first big voice to come out and say it. Yeah, that, trade Davis. The, that the Lakers should trade Anthony Davis in the offseason because you're not getting anything for us. The only way to recalibrate your team around LeBron is to trade Davis. I have, frankly, not even put one second of thought into it because I just – find it hard to fathom I'm going to be able to trade Anthony Davis and give LeBron a better running mate than Anthony Davis, which is what I yeah. need for late 30s LeBron. But please have at it. Can we do this in six minutes? Yes. Or Celt- less. Celtics say no to Jalen and Rob Williams for Davis. Are you asking me? Do they say no? I think they do. I agree. Davis and Russ... Oh, boy. To the Hawks for Collins, Capella, Bogdanovich, DeAndre Hunter, and 24 and 26 first. I think Atlanta says no. That's interesting, though. You People have to understand that Russ is not a trade asset, obviously. Like, Russ no, in that Russ deal is, is the Davis tax. Yeah. He's the Russ. tax for Davis. $47 so really, tax. So, really, it's Davis for all that stuff you just mentioned. But I, you, I have to take Russ, though, for $47 yeah, no, million. I, no, I, I get it. I'm just saying from Atlanta's perspective, it's I'm, I'm just getting Davis and giving up all that. I don't know. I'd have to think about that one. That's I Probably Atlanta says no because it's like we're kind of rushing it a little bit, but I, maybe not. I don't know. Lakers could get Collins. Capel- they get a whole starting five to put LeBron plus their picks back. Yeah, we traded our whole team for Russ. Let's trade another guy and get another whole team back. I looked at the Knicks. I tried to make it happen because Wes and Leon are there, and it's just like Randall has to be in it. There's all these contracts, picks. Like I, I actually it doesn't make sense for either team. I cross it off. There's a fun you Toronto conversation with Siakam and picks that we could discuss. I just don't know if I'm the Lakers if that gets my my blood going. Where it's like, oh cool, now we don't have Anthony Davis anymore, but here's Pascal Siakam and some picks. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cross them off. Towns straight up for Davis. I think as a both both sides say no. Now AD is under contract for two more seasons after this one. I think the same as Towns. Um, 
Towns may have an option for Davis going to Minnesota. He's miserable immediately. I just, I just, Clutch I just throws their body in front of it. Those are the ones that sound better when you're agnostic than they do when you run the Minnesota Timberwolves and you live in Minnesota and you have a team that and you actually have unhappy seems Anthony happy. Davis. Yeah, you see, you have a team that actually seems to be gelling and is happy together. You just sort of leave well enough alone. That's a no from both sides. Same for Sacramento. Gets. Uh, they trade Sabonis and Barnes and let's say this year's first and 2024 unprotected for Davis. That's doing nothing now, for LeBron. Yeah. It's doing nothing for LeBron. LeBron's and looking at like, Sabonis like this this is the I mean he's a good player, but this is the guy that I didn't pick in the all-star draft. I'm not I don't want him. All right. This does nothing for LeBron, but I think the Lakers would at least have to have a meeting. What if it's just Wiggins, Kaminga, and Moody for Davis? It just doesn't do anything for LeBron. LeBron doesn't care. How about this? Do I care what LeBron thinks? I have him under contract next year. And he has to live in Los Angeles. And I am positive the Lakers don't care what LeBron thinks about next year's roster. And I don't think – I actually have floated this to some people who might know. Would LeBron ever go to the Clippers? And the answer was hard hard no. Hard no. Right. But he wants to live in Los Angeles next year. So the Lakers have way more juice than I think people realize. But, man, if I could get Kaminga, if I'm the Warriors, do the Warriors say yes to that? Because if I'm the Warriors, I don't think I'm saying yes to that. Wiggins, Kaminga, and Moody for Davis. I'm just I, I'm saying, so scared I, to trade Kaminga. I think I'm saying uh, yes to that. Oh, I, I think, I think. See, I broke Moody, your brain. Oh, Zach's like holding yeah, that his one, head down. This is great. That one, that one. <laughs> I gotta say yes to that because I have Steph. I have Steph and Clay and Draymond. I gotta go all in while I got them. And I think I have to say yes to that because Moody. I, I. What is he going to be a role player? A really good role player? If so, okay, I could swallow that. Kaminga. I love. I have liked what I've seen. This one hurts. This one hurts. <laughs> I did it. I broke your brain. This one it hurts. happened. Well, this is why the LeBron. The, do you have more? I have two more. DeAndre Ayton, who has to be thrown in every trade now. Because who knows if he's on the Suns next year. I like where this one's headed now. Just Davis to Phoenix, Aiton and Bridges to the Lakers. Sign and trade with Aiton. It's not bad. Suns have to give up Bridges. They still get to keep Cam Johnson. They got Crowder still. They'll go sign another free agent. I'm thinking more from the Lakers' perspective. Like if I'm, LeBron, I don't think feel like it doesn't feel like enough. Can I go to war with that? I'm not sure I can. I, once again, I don't. I, I want I want to. I want a title with AD. Maybe that's. Maybe you don't care what LeBron thinks. Maybe that's how you should run your team. Here's my favorite one. It's a three teamer. The Lakers get Dame. Oh my God. Portland gets Davis. Taylor Horton Tucker in their CJ McCollum trade exception. <laughs> Ken, Kendrick Nunn. And Derek Favors. And I, almost okay- thought, I almost thought you were going to say Derek Fisher for a second. And OKC gets Russ. And they get uh, a Portland first and a swap. So Portland's basically giving up Dame, taking a bunch of contracts back to get Davis. And the Lakers get Dame, but they clear out a bunch of contracts. So basically next year they just have Dame and LeBron, and then they could add around that. That's my favorite one because it involves Russ going home to OKC. The only place that would probably take Russ. That one, 
I gotta sit with that one for a while because that's not bad. Thanks. You marinate that. Yeah, put that in this. Put that in a stew pot and just cook. Put on that, that one, one in the Instapot. Yeah, I like that one. How funny would it be if OKC, who gets picks with Chris Paul trading Russ, then trades for Russ back and gets more picks? They just turn Russ into this four or five first round picks. <laughs> like a pure, like a pure, like Russ became a pyramid scheme. And yeah, it's, it's just kept it's like on a, yielding dividends. The Russ Ponzi scheme. But yeah, I was trying to think of because that's so LeBron. If he's going to trade Davis, is going to probably to make him happy. They here's like a real star back. Here's Dame Lillard. Oh, and we have cap space too, and we'll go get you one more guy. I that one I, makes sense to me. But my favorite one is still the Warriors trade because that's a great. Who says no? I'm going to think about that one. The ent- I have a long drive coming up. I'm going to think about that one. All right, you got to go. Uh, Bill Simmons, thanks for the second half of this home and home. You can listen to all his stuff and the Ringer NBA show. And how can you explain the Ringer NBA show universe? Are the mismatch, the real ones, and everything else, the void, are they all part of the Ringer NBA show? Are they all separate podcasts? I need no, to know man- how to characterize them. Mismatch is its own feed that its has the Mismatch Pod and the Void. Ringer NBA show is real ones and group chat and all that stuff. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, they're all very good. Uh, thank you. They're all on Spotify and the Ringer. Mr. Simmons, uh, thank you very much. Good luck to, to your Boston Celtics. I look forward to seeing you soon. Good to see you, Zach. Man.